Welcome to the Health Business Growth Show, where we take you behind the scenes of the top health businesses to learn how they built their success. Remember, success leaves clues, and we're going to be sharing those with you. I'm your host, JJ Bergen, Inc. 5000 founder of the Mindshare Collaborative, along with members of our Mindshare Mentor team. And each week, we are joined by some of the most brilliant, innovative, and okay, slightly unhinged health business experts you're going to ever meet. These folks have built empires from scratch, navigated the choppy waters of entrepreneurship, and will be sharing both their struggles and their successes on the journey of creating a thriving health business. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level by learning from the best, you are in the right place. In each episode of the Health Business Growth Show, we'll tackle real-world, relevant topics to help you build your audience and scale your income. From marketing to mindset, from hiring to firing, and everything in between. We'll share our own stories of success and failure, interview some of the most amazing guests in the health business world, and we promise to never take ourselves too seriously. Because let's be honest, building your health business can be a bit challenging at times. Success takes resilience, creativity, courage, and a willingness to step outside of your comfort zone. And we are here to help you navigate through all of it. Find the humor in the chaos and build a health business that's truly worth it. So let's get this party started. We are so glad you are here. I know you're smart, that's why you're here, but I also know that you have probably figured out how incredible, especially if you've listened to the last few episodes, but how incredible the experts are in our community, and today is no exception. In fact, we have featured a handful of health business owners in our community in our most recent episodes, and we might have saved the best till last with Dr. Jeff Bland. He is the absolute godfather in functional medicine. It's Nat Kringudis here and I'm going to take you through this episode, but I'm actually going to let JJ do the honours of introducing Jeff straight from stage from the last Mindshare Leadership Summit. And here I am to introduce Dr. Jeff Bland, which it's like, talk about the person who needs no introduction, right? Because I was telling him, I go, you know, this event wouldn't be happening if you hadn't done what you did, Right? I don't know about you, but my entire career trajectory changed when I first heard Jeff Bland. And I still remember sitting there trying to keep up as he was doing his life. Remember these lectures that he would do? And it was like, you're like, you know how usually you're listening to a podcast, you turn it to 1.25 or 1.5, and you're sitting there in the audience going, how do I take this to 0.5? You know? You're like, holy smokes, and your whole mind is blown. And you have someone who is so dedicated to transforming human health and taking his whole systems biology brain to do so. And then you put that together with the most humble human being I've ever met. You just have this incredible person who founded IFM. And I am just so super excited. Like, what a great way to kick off the future of health, to have the person who really has created the future of health. It's like meta meta. I'm feeling self-conscious. And when I uh, got thinking about the word self-conscious, then I started to feel a little bit better about it because I think it's 
kind of important to be conscious of yourself. So as I was thinking about that term, self-conscious, and what does that mean in terms of nervousness, adrenal, you know, the whole adrenal cortical mechanism, does it make you speak faster than you already speak, which is dangerous? I'm washing my hands in the restroom, and I look down to my right palm, and I recognize that I've got this scar on my right palm that's been with me now for 30 years this year. Why do I remember 30 years? Because 30 years ago was the second conference of the Institute for Functional Medicine that happened to be in Palm Springs. And I got up very, very early. I was so nervous to go in and kind of get this meeting started. My wife, Susan, had put this whole thing together with big excitement moment. I needed to go for a run as the sun was coming up. So I went out at five o'clock in the morning to the desert, started running. And of course, you know what happened. I went down just like a teacup right under my hands, lacerated all the way up, still have the remembrance of that. So when I think of messages, this is kind of a graphic example of us all being imprinted with shared common experiences. Not everybody falls in the desert, but we were all part of this community that has risen up, emerged over these 30 plus years to be a force of change that's for the good. And you are a central feature in that change. And so when I think about epigenetics, which is now the topic of the day, I can't help then but think about we're all being remodeled by the imprinting that we have from one another. Our genes that we were born with in these 23 chapters called our book of life is waiting for the experiences that we have as we walk through our life from the moment of conception until we move on to something else. And those experiences are being captured by these epigenetic marks that regulate how our genes are expressed, either joy, sorrow, all sorts of emotions are captured, capable of being expressed. But hanging out with this kind of group, what does it do to your epigenetic marks as you grow up? It gives you the ability to be resilient, to be joyful, to be appreciative, and to be part of a community. That's the pleasure that this scar reminds me of when I step out on this stage. That's my degree of self-consciousness. So Jeff went on to thank his wife and his family and a few other people that have really helped to shape who he is today. And then he arrived at this point of asking why. Why do we have illness? Why do we have disease? These are the questions that he was asking himself that really helped him arrive at, well, not just where he is today, but also where he was many years ago. And this is what he then had to say. Let me talk about the presumption that I might have something worth saying that you would find of value. So why? This is my Simon Sinek moment. Why? The reason for me why is, is pretty simple because it really always came about asking the question why. My mother said you, that I was really kind of a pain in the posterior because I always was asking why. My parents were confronted with this child that was constantly asking why. Fortunately, they were pretty tolerant about that. I remember them getting Encyclopedia Britannica's, you know, with, which we could ill afford back in those 1950s. The, the nature of why really drove me into asking the question continuously, probably since elementary school on, as to why do people get sick? So that first started me into understanding, to some degree, infectious disease. But then it moved on into the conditions of the state of where we are now, where these non-infectious, non-communicable diseases or conditions have become the most prevalent forms of illness that we have in the Western society and why. And when I ultimately went through my 
undergraduate curriculum and, and ultimately in the graduate school, medical school curriculum, I recognized that back in then, that was the 60s, that we really didn't have an explanation why for virtually any of the major diseases. Heart disease, diabetes, arthritis, digestive disorders, dementia. I mean, just go down the laundry list. We learned them teleologically through descriptive, through the way that we would describe them. And the more that you could describe them well, the better off you got pushed forward in school and you got advanced in your classes. And so it became a memory test. And I was pretty good at that. So I got pushed forward quickly, got out of school, became a professor when I was 23, fully tenured by the time I was 27. So I was on that fast track because I could really remember things quickly and respond, you know, on questions. But that really didn't answer the question why. That answered the question how, maybe, or what. The question why was a deeper question. And fortunately, underneath all of this, there was a continued explosion of new information as we moved through the 60s, the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And so that question of, of why then became more capable of being answered at a mechanistic cellular level. And cellular biology then went from a discipline of esotericism to where now today is the discipline of medicine, is cellular biology. Through that transition period then, my life became dedicated to trying to understand and then demythologize to the extent possible these questions of why and to challenge other people to take on the gauntlet and see if we couldn't collectively come up with ways that we could solve upstream these problems rather than downstream. So some people call that origin of rather than trying to treat the effect later. It's a powerful reframe when we begin to look at the why rather than be triggered by illness, especially as healthcare providers. We can very quickly go to looking at a treatment that's focused on symptoms. And I guess that's the whole premise of functional medicine, isn't it? Looking at the why. Now, you're going to love what Jeff shares next with a very heartfelt story of his own experience with his father. When I made the decision to give up my tenured faculty position to start an organization that would be a research development organization to teach doctors how to do nutritional medicine in their practice, that was a stupid idea. Uh, that happened in 1982. My father, who couldn't believe that I would be so stupid to give over a tenured position and try to go out and do something I never knew how to do and was trained to do, he said, if you're really going to do this, I need to come out of retirement and I need to be your business manager. Because he had a, he was an aerospace engineer, he had formal uh, training in business and accounting. So he came out of retirement, and he and my mother, who was a copy editor, worked with me to start this adventure from nothing, putting our family at risk. We we continued to move ahead. So then my father, over years, eventually got to the point where the company had grown up and our activities were bigger than he wanted to hold. So he uh, finally was convinced by me that he and my mother should take some time and and retire. Uh, whatever that means. I'm recognizing now for me at 77 years of age, that retire means putting new tread on the tire so that you can run a little farther. So that's retiring. <laughs> and so, um, so yes, my dad said, well, okay, I'm going to take some time. But, but then he ran into some, some misfortunes. He uh, developed Parkinsonism and, and um, his situation worsened to the extent that uh, he was unable to do the things that he really loved doing the most. And one of which was he loved computer programming. He, he was an avid guy that went back to college uh, as a 60-year-old guy to become you know, proficient and get a degree in computer science. So he couldn't really do that anymore. And so I was down uh, at their house. They had moved by that time and, and was talking to my mother. And she was saying, you know, your dad is, uh, he, 
Yeah, he's in a separate bedroom now because he doesn't want to keep me awake at night and blah, blah, blah. And I, I really don't want to, don't know what to do because it's really hard to, to give him what he needs. So then I suggested that he go to see a physician that was uh, capable of maybe offering a broader range of services. So he did that. And um, my mother was reporting back to me the situation. And uh, she said, I'm not so sure that this guy has got all the skills that you really think, Jeff. And I said, well, why do you say it? Well, he's not asking very good questions. You ask better questions. So then I, I said to my mother, I said, uh, so has he had a methylmolic acid in a, uh, test and a uh, looking at the potential for homocysteine? Just to, kind of a, as a flyer, because uh, he was having some digestive difficulties. He was older age, maybe hypochlorhydric. So I just thought I'd throw that out. Well, it turns out this guy was an MD-PhD, and he was a hematologist and a PhD in hematology, as well as an internal medicine physician. So I thought for sure he would know about this. Well, I get a call from his nurse, because my mother gets my phone number to her, and, and she says, so the doctor really would like to know more about this homocystemia thing and this methyl aciduria. Do you have any references? Never ask Jeff Bland for references. So this is back in the day of faxes. I burnt out his fax machine. Was pretty pretty humorous. He called me. Don't send any more articles. So so that got his attention at least as the floor was littered with uh, fax paper. So then he uh, called me and he said, "Okay, well this looks interesting. So maybe I should uh, I should do this. How do I do it?" And I said, "Well, you could train my mother to do it. You could train her to give B12 injections and and methylfolate. I mean, this is not like high science." And he said, "Oh, okay. Well, that's a good idea." So that was started. Now, this was all based on, based on a premise, right? A hypothesis I was developing, one that you all would, would think about today. Back then, this is like uh, more than 25 years ago, uh, this was kind of a novel concept. So several days went by, and then I got a call from my mother. And she was in a frenzy. I mean, I thought, oh my word, I must have done something really bad. I must have given bad information. She was crying. She was hysterical, really. And she says, Oh, Jeff, this is, oh, I don't know what to do. And I'm saying, I'm bringing her calm down on the phone. And I said, so what's the story with, with, with dad? What's going on? He says, is he in that bad of shape? And she says, no, 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 no. That's not the problem. The problem is for the first time in six months, all previous to this morning, I have gone in to wake him up in his bedroom. I help getting him dressed. I help getting his breakfast. This morning, I wake up. I look up. Here's your father fully dressed. And he's saying, let's go on a picnic. For the next three years, he went back to his computer. He was functionally intact. And he was all the reason that I had gone into this field. I have had way, way more than my fair share of people coming up to me around the world. I now have 6 million miles plus of travel. So I have got my bonus miles. And people coming up to me and saying, you saved my life. Now, I didn't save their life. I gave them information to empower them to make decisions that allow them to save their own life or to save their loved ones' lives or their friends' lives. It wasn't me that did that. It was me as a conveyor information that provided them the opportunity to look at things in a different way. That's a huge, huge value proposition for me. And it is why. It is my Simon Sinek reason why. So Jeff was asked a question, and the question was... Is your classroom big enough? Now, that was with reference to teaching and a physical classroom. And it was a pivoting point for him where it led him to really think about the bigger picture, to really reevaluate and to actually make a decision to go bigger because his mission was to help as many people as possible. 
So it saw him leave behind the classroom and it saw him give up that scenario of teaching and led him to the next phase. So anyway, that all worked out, (laughs) to make a long story short. But it really exemplifies the opportunities that we all have at certain points, these threshold moments, these epiphanal moments. Now, I'm not saying everybody should jump immediately and give up what they're doing and do something entirely different, give up all the security. But these are the moments for passion and deep, you know, they say still waters run deep. Whatever those things are that really motivate the purpose and give us meaning in our life, um, I think we're on track. You've heard it from all speakers, probably all your conversations center on that intangible called emotion and your joie de vie, your joy of living. What are you really here to do? So that then led me down this extraordinary path that I've been so privileged to, uh, to have. There's lots of questions, isn't there? What are you really here to do? Jeff put this question out to the audience, and it's something I think that we can and we actually should be asking ourselves. He went on to list various experiences and people he had the pleasure of working alongside of who had really helped to shape him into the man that he is today. And then he proceeded to ask, well, actually, the audience, the question, but himself, why do I? Why do I do what I do now in the present day? Why do I continue to do this? I mean, (laughs) one might say, well, there's nothing else I could do. No, I think there's lots of things I could do. But I continue to do this because I have learned from the wonderful individuals that I have been uh, impacted by that this journey that we're on is a journey that, that is, um, is time-bounded. We're not in warm-ups. We're not practicing. We're going live. We're on the stage of life. And we need to capture it and do what's consistent with our reason why. And so... I love this quote from one of my dearest, deepest, longest friends, Doug Green. Doug is a great understated guy, but I can tell you I've had the privilege of meeting some of the world's best entrepreneurs in all sorts of fields. Doug Green is the best entrepreneur I've ever met, and I could give you a whole speech about it, but let me just say who Doug Green is that you might know. Doug Green was the founder of New Hope Communication that then founded the Natural Foods Expo and all the stuff we see in the natural foods industry, the consolidation of all the natural food stores into Whole Foods with John Mackey, that was Doug Green that made that industry. He is the singular person that I believe established organic, established a platform for an investment-worthy industry called the natural foods industry, and did it behind the scenes so that very few people know of Doug Green. So when I asked him in a recent interview and podcast, I did, Doug, what's your life been like, you know, starting in Little Rock, Arkansas? And he says, well, one of my first jobs after I got my driver's license was I got a, a job to be a Wonder Bread truck driver, a delivery boy. And he says, it is so fantastic because I'm still a Wonder Bread truck driver on an adventure every day. Because I have this spirit every day of what I learned driving around a Little Rock in this Wonder Bread truck that I learned about new things, new people, new environments. And I got tested, I got you know, energized, and I'm still a Wonder Braid truck driver today. That model is a powerful driving force in my reason why. Isn't that inspiring? We're not in warm-ups. <laughs> you know, life isn't a practice run, and we really are here to make an imprint. And for many of us, we do feel... We definitely feel we have a purpose and we're here to go big and help more people. And I hope that if you're listening to this, that is speaking to you. 
Jeff shared more about recent events and instances and, again, people who have been very much part of his most current projects and the things that he's doing right now. And Jeff also went and actually, this is so lovely when you listen to this, but he went on to share about an experience that he had taking the stage with his son, who was actually born as a brain-injured child. Justin was born as a brain-injured child. He was told uh, by his pediatric uh, neurosurgeon that he probably, because he had a shunt put in when he was in his infancy, that he may not talk normally. He may not go to normal school. He was going to need special care. And he did need special care. That's, that's absolutely true. The special care was love and attention. So Justin just finished his second master's cum laude. Yeah, at 40 years of age. He's at Alaska Airlines as customer service. He was voted as one of the top out of 20,000 employees in customer service for Alaska Airlines. He had more letters written by customers on his behalf in favor of his service than any other employee for Alaska Airlines. He's the caregiver that's taught all of us the things about what it means to be totally human. And so I asked Justin, because IFM was doing a, a course focused on neuroplasticity. And I was going to lead the, the opening, kind of setting the stage for this meeting in San Diego. So I'm normally doing my stuff in the left hemisphere of my brain. Then I kind of have woke up in the middle of the night and said, hold it, just a minute. I know the world's expert in neuroplasticity. He happens to be Justin. So I, I, um, I said, Justin, I know this is a little bit unusual, but would you be willing to, uh, uh, to share the stage with me in front of 1,200 doctors and to talk about your experiences in neuroplasticity? And he took the challenge. It was very, very cute because we practiced the night before. He had his note cards and we were practicing and it's got to be about midnight. And I said, I think this is great practice. You've got more than enough competency here. So let's you know, take some refresh. Tomorrow, it's, you're going to do this at noon. It's going to be cool. So here he goes. That's him standing on the stage before 1,200 uh, people, of which many he had already connected with, knew their names, could call them out in the audience. That's just his personality. I could see that he was coming to the end of his talk because we'd been practicing with his note cards. And that's how I thought I would stand up to, you know, change the, uh, the order of the presentation. So he turns to me, any of you who were there remember this, he turns to me and says, well, Dad, I'm not done. I thought, oh, okay. So I, I sat down and he says, so I just want you all to know that, you know, I've gone through all these years of thinking maybe I wasn't good enough, maybe I wasn't competent, maybe I didn't learn fast enough, maybe I needed special help, but never once was I led to believe that this was going to be a limitation about my life. Never once did I feel that I could not do whatever I wanted to. In fact, it was quite the opposite. My parents continued to support me all the time to be the best I could be. And my wish all this time is that someday I could stand on the stage with my father and we could give a joint lecture. How do you think that makes you feel? All of these things are part of the feeling state of what being totally alive is about. When you're totally enraptured by what you do because it is you, it's not like you've got a job and then you've got life and you've got hobbies. It's a mosaic. It's a, it's a hologram. And you're living in that hologram in real time. So Jeff continued to talk about his more recent ventures, but he finished up with this. Take the world and redefine it. What we're all doing 
is we're redefining health to be de-docked from disease. De-docked. No longer do we have to be an apologist about health because the future of where we're going is no longer mired in the anguish of disease. And the next generation that's coming up, which I'm very fortunate to say, now I've watched these babies being born that are now professionals in this field, one of who have, we feel very privileged to work with this, Dr. Austin Perlmutter, but you'll notice the children of people that started with me in the functional medicine movement who are now the leaders of the future. That happens to be at my family there in the far right, lower right, they're part of the big, bold health community. You're all part of it, whether you want to be or not. And thank you for allowing me to share this with you. What an inspiring episode. Jeff actually did go ahead and win the Pinnacle Award at the most recent Mindshare Leadership Summit. And it was such an honor to watch that. And he is such a humble man. I truly hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Health Business Growth Show and share it around. I mean, this man is such a powerhouse, but Put aside all the things he's done, just the inspiration of the focus and the greater knowing of that he's meant for more, he's built for more. He talked about retreading the tires so that he had more time to give to us as a community and to give to the people that he serves and helps every day. So it's been a pleasure to host this episode. I do hope you've enjoyed it. Until next time, bye for now. Here at the Mindshare Collaborative, we are committed to helping you increase your vision, income, and impact. One of the first things we'd love to support you on is adding a high-profit leveraged income stream so that you can enjoy more time and money freedom. And to help you get started, I've created the Health Professionals Playbook for building multiple streams of income that identifies five proven strategies for creating a sustainable income beyond your primary practice to create time and money freedom. To get your free copy as my gift to you, go to ms365.io forward slash MSI. That's ms365.io forward slash MSI.